This is Untold Civil War, and today I'm having a sort of candid discussion with Donnie Copper, the man behind the American Civil War Instagram page. We will be discussing his Civil War ancestors, social media and Civil War storytelling, and because he is a paramedic, Civil War medicine. So grab the Narcan, pack the tourniquet, hit the sirens on, and let's respond to a call for Untold Civil War. Tonight's guest needs no introduction. If you follow the Untold Civil War on Instagram, then you definitely follow Donnie Copper. He is the man behind the American Civil War IG page. That's American Civil War, one word, underscore IG. Last time I checked, it has 35.7K followers. Is that correct? That sounds about right. Well, you are a rock star in the Civil War storytelling community, no doubt about it. So how did this start? How did you get the Civil War bug? Well, um, it started pretty early for me. You know, I'm I'm 43 years old now, and it probably started for me a good 35 years ago. My parents took me uh, on a camping trip to Gettysburg. Of course, you know, I live here in Pennsylvania, so it's not very far for us. And uh, at that time, I had like a fleeting interest, you know, like I studied a little bit in school and, you know, seen the a movie or two, or read a book or two. Um, but I bought Bruce Catton's book in uh, one of the gift shops there. And uh, I don't know what made me pick it up, but uh, it, it to this day, it's still probably one of the best books I've ever read. And uh, that camping trip with that book, because um, I read it while I was camping in a tent with a flashlight. <laughs> and uh, that pretty much got my interest going. And then uh, I was real close with my uncle when I was growing up. I lived next door to him. And my uncle is one of the uh, foremost historians in in the county that I grew up in. And he did a lot of genealogy work for my family. He did genealogy work for others. He was hired out to do that. And uh, he would do uh, logging of cemeteries. And he was uh, one of the high up members of the historical society there. He taught history part time at one of the local universities. Once he found out that I had this budding interest in the Civil War, then he kind of took it and ran with it. He bought me, you know, a whole bunch of books. And then he sat me down one day and he took me through our family tree and showed me uh, some of our ancestors who fought in the Civil War. And once once I found that out that I had like an actual connection to the war itself, then that just cemented it. Yeah, that personal connection is a, a big deal there. Um, but how did that transition to starting your Instagram page? Well, it's funny because, as I'm sure you know, the Civil War community, though there's a lot of us out there, sometimes it's kind of hard to find people within your own community that have the same interest. Once my uncle passed away, uh, he gave me a lot of the research that he had done. And, uh, you know, my interest, like I said, it just it kept growing over the years with all the books that I read and all the things that I was finding out. And uh, once he passed away, I really didn't have many people to talk to about the Civil War. You know, the people that I work with, when they, <laughs> when they hear me bring up something about the Civil War, you know, you get that eye rolling or, you know. <laughs> so, you know, I was just looking for people with a similar interest. And uh, so I started a page and I figured, you know, maybe get a couple hundred followers, you know, maybe a few guys here or there to, to talk to about Civil War stuff. And the next thing I know, it, it just took off. You know, I, I don't even know, honestly, people always ask me, like, what did you do to get such a big following? I, I don't know. I, I don't know what what caused it to happen. It just kind of took off on its own. Well, I'll definitely say, you know, 
part of what I think is leads to your success is that you post some really great content. I mean, there's some great stories and snippets of the Civil War uh, that you tell on that page. How do you find those stories? I tell you what, man, it's just it's just hours and hours of looking, just finding articles online. I was a member of a couple different Civil War forums online for a while. You know, I found some great stories through there, but it, it's just sometimes it's just luck of the draw. I'll, I'll hear something that'll pique my interest and, you know, I'll start just Googling it, looking for other things on that specific topic. And then, you know, I'll find something else. It just shoots off down a rabbit hole somewhere and I'll find something completely unrelated to what I was looking for. And I mean, you know, there's, there's just so many great stories out there to be told. I post, I try to post at least once a day. I try to keep it consistent, but as you know, you know, you can post every single day and just scratch the surface. You're, you're only just beginning to lightly delve into what, what all is out there. There's just so much to be had. Absolutely. Absolutely. And do, do you feel that with this sort of social media, you have been able to reach a bigger group that hasn't had that connection to the Civil War? Yeah. I, I mean, it, generally, uh, the people that I end up getting in, in contact with through this page it's a mix of people that have been uh, into the Civil War their whole life or, you know, somebody who just, you know, has a fleeting interest in it. And, you know, something that they saw on my page will just capture their interest and they're like blown away. Oh, my God, I didn't know that that happened. So hopefully I, I help grow some of that interest in some of these people um, with Instagram. Instagram was the one that I found the best for what I I post. That's the only social media I have now. Like, I don't have a Facebook. I don't have any of the other ones. Like with Instagram, you know, it's it just seemed to be the best platform for it because if you if you find a good picture to go along with what you're talking about, just to to grab somebody's interest as they're scrolling through, or if it happens to make the explore page and they see it on there, and then you post a good story to go along with it. If people actually take the time to read, because some of the the captions that I put are pretty long, <laughs> but if they take the time to actually read the story and, and see some of the little nuances that go along with it, then, then I feel like I've done something good. Oh, absolutely. And I think sort of there's a lesson that can be taken here for uh, people that might be running some of these historical societies, civil roundtables, uh, museums, that kind of shows that, you know, you can use social media as a very effective tool to get these stories told to the masses, you know, which is ultimately what we all want to do, right, is to spread that spread the word, if you will. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and there's, there's a lot of great pages out there that do just that. Um, right. Not even just Civil War pages, but his, history in general. I, I've learned a lot myself from a lot of these, these guys out there doing, doing the same thing that I'm doing. We all have our own subtle touches that we bring to it. Everybody does something a little bit different than, than, the, than the rest, but it's all great stuff. There's all, all great stuff to be found out there. Absolutely. And I'm a big fan. I'm loving what you're doing. Of course, uh, you did mention your uh, ancestors, and uh, I love Untold Civil War. I like digging into those types of things. So uh, can we uh, start talking a little bit about your ancestors and uh, who, who they were? Absolutely. Yeah, I, the two big ones that, that I like to talk about, one of them was a general, General Zook, Samuel K. Zook. Now, General Zook, uh, um, he didn't have any children of his own but I am descended from one of his siblings. He was a good Pennsylvania guy, a Mennonite, actually was a, had a Mennonite upbringing in Eastern PA, but he was the general. Uh, he was killed at 
Gettysburg. And um, that was another <laughs> that was another one of those things that really helped cement my interest in it. Because once I found out, you know, I have an ancestor who has an actual obelisk sitting in the wheat field right. to him to spot where he was killed. I mean, that was that was fascinating. Um, and I've done a lot of research on on General Zook. He, his, his story was a pretty fascinating story. So his is one of my favorite ones to tell. And the other one, my third great grandfather, a man by the name of David, David Webster Aiken. He was a Western Pennsylvania guy. He uh, he joined the uh, PA Heavy Artillery, and he was um, mostly involved with uh, the defenses around Washington D.C. But he had two brothers that also joined. Uh, Isaiah joined one of the Pennsylvania Infantry Regiments, and I always get that number messed up. It's I want to say the 48th Pennsylvania, maybe, but I could be wrong with that. But his other brother, James, is the one who really fascinated me. He was with the 100th PA, the Roundheads. Uh, which is a pretty famous regiment here in Western PA. And uh, he was killed at the Battle of the Crater. And I actually had great guy, uh, the badge maker, Joe. He made a uh, ID tag for me with my uh, great uncle's name on. Stay with us. We'll be right back. My name is Koji. And I'm Michelle. And this is the Japanese America podcast. So this is where we look at all things Japanese American. We will bring alive the history, culture, and people that make up this diverse community. In this month's episode, we'll examine Koji's unique family history. To help bring this story alive, we brought on actor and comedian Derek Mio. He was reported to be extremely pro-Japanese and anti-American in sentiment. Her husband was taken into custody by the military authorities under a warrant authorized by the Secretary of War, who was his enemy of the United States. He was my grandfather on my dad's side. To hear more stories about Japanese America, you can listen to this podcast anywhere you normally download your podcast. Well, it wasn't planned, but there it is. An honest review from a guest of the show for our sponsor, The Badge Maker. The Badge Maker is the leading producer of the most authentic Civil War Corps badges, ID discs, pipes, matchboxes, and more. And of course, all made in the USA. But let's hear a couple more honest reviews. David says, I ordered a pair of suspenders from the badge maker, and I must say, great looking product. I ordered them four nights ago, and they were in the mail the very next day. No hassle or runaround for six months trying to get my order. The badge maker made the ordering process smooth and painless. I would definitely order from him again. Jeff L. stated, I bought a couple of the 4th Corps badges from Joe. They arrived quickly, and I was pleased with the workmanship. They look great. So get your own Corps badges in time for Remembrance Day at Gettysburg. It's funny because one of the other funny stories that I have about him that I found out was the uh, one, of, one of the guys that I've become good friends with uh, on Instagram, Keith. Uh, Harvey, he's a Central Virginia historian. His uh, his third or fourth great uncle uh, was in the Virginia regiment at the Battle of the Crater that was firing down in the hole at the 100th PA. So wow. him and I always joke around. Probably his uncle that killed my uncle. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Here we are, good friends. You know, 160 years later, but uh, and yeah. both run in some it's- great Instagram pages. Yes, yes. Keith is doing some wonderful stuff over there. You know, I've been lucky enough to actually meet these guys and hang out with them. And 
you know, have big discussions and Zoom meetings. Uh, we, we were all brought together by uh, Matt Callery over at Address in Gettysburg. We would sit on, on these nights during the pandemic and just have, you know, Zoom talks. There was a whole group of us that got together. Uh, I don't know if you know Rich Condon from uh, Civil War Pittsburgh. Yeah. He's yeah. another one. We've talked with him and Steve Fan, great guy. We've had a chance to sit and talk with him a few times. And I just had Steve you know, we've Fan had these... on for an interview too. So, yeah. Great Steve's guy. a great guy. He's so much fun to talk to. And we actually ended up on the Today Show. But uh, yeah, these guys, we all get together in Gettysburg every once in a while. They're actually out there this weekend. I actually had to miss it this weekend, unfortunately. We've done some fun stuff out there. We adopted a couple positions out there uh the 69th pa uh which is another one of my favorite pa regiments uh we got there and we do a cleanup out there twice a year so that's a lot of fun it really is it's it's such a great community you know everyone is really helping each other helping each other with research and uh you know spreading the word it's great but let's uh let's talk about general zook here i, I need to know this story so can you sure. tell us a little bit about his life and how he ends up on the battlefield <laughs> that day at gettysburg <laughs> So, as I said, General Zook, he, uh, he grew up out in Eastern PA, and uh, he was a telegraph guy. He was running telegraph wires, and uh, funny story about General Zook, uh, <laughs> he was sent out one time to find out uh, where a telegraph wire had broken, and uh, he, was, he was sent out to repair it. Apparently, uh, Samuel Zook had a, uh, a hobby. He, he liked to come up with colorful new swear words. <laughs> and they said, uh, they said he could swear like no other. So he gets out there and he finds this broken telegraph line. He had to find out if there was still power running through it. And the only way he could think to do that was to grab the two ends of it and stand in a puddle. Oh. And <laughs> they said that, that the swearing could be heard for miles. <laughs> <laughs> wow. General Zucchi. Samuel, he ended up um, he ended up with the 57th New York. He worked his way up through the ranks, was promoted to brigade command before Gettysburg. When he comes into Gettysburg, that was about the time where uh, Sickles had already ventured too far forward, and his lines were collapsing, and he was getting beaten back. Zook's men were the ones that were sent in to stave the tide there to to push back the Confederates that were romping on him and uh in the midst of all that you know he was leading his men he got shot and killed there he was cut down pretty uh pretty tragically in his prime there he was he was a good guy he was a good guy <laughs> but uh you know i i heard some great little stories about him like him and hancock would get together they would have yelling matches back and forth and everybody thought that they they were angry at each other but that's just the way that they talked to each other <laughs> they said at one, at one point zook was uh <laughs> He got into it with uh, Hancock there at Gettysburg, and uh, they said that the air was so blue that, uh, you know, with swear words and the rocks were crawling, trying to get away. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely two real soldiers right there. But of course, you have another ancestor who you mentioned before at the crater. Do we have any more information on them? I always have a soft spot for the uh, the little guy, you know. Yeah, I really like to talk about the little guys as well and uh that's why james's story kind of kind of stuck with me unfortunately james was only 28 years old when he was killed and wow. uh, he never got married or anything before he left uh his brother david and his brother uh, isaiah they both made it home alive uh, james unfortunately did not there really is 
wasn't a whole lot out there about him in particular. Uh, I've done a lot of studying about the 100th PA that he was involved with. There's actually quite a big collection about the 100th PA, including a picture of my uncle uh, in the historical society where my uncle used to work uh, in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. They have a whole room there dedicated to my uncle and they have uh, my uncle, the one that recently passed away. They have, you know, diaries of the 100th PA and they have, you know, pictures and artifacts and such. But there's a much larger collection, the McDowell collection that's up at Penn State, the main campus in State College. Once this pandemic kind of dies down, that's on my my bucket list of things to go and see. So I'm hoping to make it up there before too long. Do you happen to have any um, you know, personal artifacts maybe left behind at all? Yeah, unfortunately, I don't. You know, it, one of the things that uh, I've never gotten into was collecting artifacts. I, I know a lot of guys in the his- history community, they, they like to collect things. Um, I, it's just something that I've never started. I wish that I had something personal like that, but, uh, but unfortunately, I don't know. Well, I'm sure you'll find a lot of the uh, paperwork and orders and such like that when you go yeah. Over, yeah, over there, yeah. Well, in regards to your research, do you recommend any books or anything like that to people who want to learn more about the Civil War? Wow. Well, like I said, you know, the the book that got me started was uh, The Civil War by Bruce Catton. And for people just starting out, that's the one that I always recommend because Bruce Catton, his writing style was just, it was so easy, easy to read, easy to digest, easy to comprehend. People just starting out, that's, that's, to me, that's a great place to get started. A lot of the guys that um, that are in this this so-called <laughs> immature historian group that I that I talk with, you know, a lot of those guys collect books on the daily. Like they're always finding new books to 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 bring in. But you know, these days with the internet being what it is, so much of that stuff is digitized now. You just have to be careful with your sources, though, because there's there's some things out there that you're going to find that just you know that are just not true. I like to I like to stick with the the, the classics, the older stuff. For all of his faults, Shelby Foote was a hell of a writer. People just, they love his writing style. And uh, he, he definitely has uh, a Southern slant to, to everything that he writes, but it's still, it's still enjoyable stuff. But Sears and, and fans and all those guys, they're, they're just, you know, the, you can't go wrong with the, with the classic stuff. Where, where would you recommend people go to uh, when they go to Gettysburg? Oh, man. <laughs> Gettysburg has more or less become a home away from home for me. Uh, I do spend a lot more time out there now, and I'm actually, <laughs> I'm actually in the process of of trying to get a job out there. Oh, fantastic! Um, to get to get myself closer out there, uh, so I can spend more time out there. Um, but the town itself is is a is an amazing town. I mean, even if you're not that interested in history just to visit the town it's worth it just to go even for a long weekend uh there's amazing restaurants out there just the walking the battlefield even if you're not interested in in the battle itself just being out there in a battlefield it's a it's a it's a humbling experience and uh you know i always tell people if you've never been there that it's it's a a place that'll change you like you'll feel it when you're there even if you don't know the full story about what happened you still feel that something huge went on there. It was the first battlefield that I that I visited, Civil War wise, and it's the closest one really for me. So it'll always be my favorite place. Uh, I've visited others, but yeah, when it 
when it comes to Gettysburg, though, I can, I can definitely give a few recommendations about places to stay, places to eat. And as I said, like Matt Callery, right, he lives right there in town. And most of the time when people are coming out there, if I, if I tell him that I have friends coming out there, like he'll actually go out of his way to, you know, set them up with people to talk to, you know, whether it be like a licensed battlefield guide or a park ranger or one of those guys, because those guys are all phenomenal too. Oh yeah. Um, I love right. the tours with the, with the, the guides and the rangers. I mean, it's just, it's a great experience. Well, one thing I would say about Gettysburg is uh, I, I used to say like one of my favorite units of the civil war is the 79th New York Highlanders. They weren't at Gettysburg, but uh, you know, I, I love the Highlanders. Uh, I love Grant, uh, but he wasn't at Gettysburg. Uh, right. so I was like, right. really? I'm like, why would I be so interested in the Gettysburg? But you have <laughs> to go there to realize that Gettysburg really is sort of like, a, for lack of other terms, like a Civil War fan mecca. <laughs> I mean, mm -hmm. I think they just had sure. a reenactment at Gettysburg for First Manassas. Like they reenacted First Bull Run at Gettysburg. They um, did. They did. Which, I mean, to me, it just shows like it's like, they kind of do everything at Gettysburg. It's not necessarily just about Gettysburg. It's there's a whole bunch right. of stuff that you can go and you can find stuff. And matter of fact, while I was walking through one of the stores, uh, I found this little guy, this little miniature of a 79th Highlander. So I still got my <laughs> 79th fix. <laughs> um, right. That's there great. So it, you know, really is one of those places that it, it's not just about Gettysburg. I think there's so much more to it. And it's funny. You just walk down the streets and, it's not just about the Civil War. I see World War One reenactors walking around and, uh, you know, it, it seems there's like everything under the sun there is it's, you know, history. It's like his uh, historians uh, Disneyland, if you will. Sure. Absolutely. Um, yeah. We we always joke around about that and say that, it, you know, it is like the Disneyland. But, you know, in a way, it truly is, um, you know, and I think with, you know, like you said about the, the first Manassas reenactment there, I think the community itself as a whole is just so welcoming of the reenacting community because they, they see it all the time. You know, there's always encampments going on and they're just so welcoming of that, that I think that that's why people, you know, feel that that's the best place to do reenactments at. The town itself is just, it, it's a great town. The people there are great, you know, and uh, like you said, there, there are ties to other wars there because they had World War One training there. And I had heard that they even had people stationed there during World War II as well. I, I heard that they had, um, I can't remember exactly what it was, but what did they call this? Like a, like a detainment camp kind of for Germans there during World War II. Uh, oh, it was almost wow. like a prisoner of war. Um, oh, I didn't know that. But, uh, yeah, I, I had heard that somewhere. I can't, don't quote me on that because I can't, I'm not 100% sure. But uh, I just read a story just recently about the, uh, the 1913 reunion that they did. And uh, George Patton was there, oh. <laughs> you know, George Patton was, uh, you know, he, of course, had a soft spot in his heart for, for veterans and, and such, you know, he had Civil War ties himself. <laughs> it was funny because he was a young man during that reunion. And I don't think he was very happy to be there because he, he wrote back to somebody about, you know, being stuck in that town with all those old codgers. And, you know, <laughs> it was a pretty cool story, though. Eisenhower spent some time there, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He ended up living there. Right. Uh, he loved the town. He he loved that town. And his his mark is all over the place out there. Um, when you go out there, you know, you can see a statue of Ike out there. But uh, yeah, he loved it. And uh, John Kennedy 
visited out there, John F. Kennedy, and he fell in love with the place too. Pictures of Franklin Roosevelt there, and it, it, it's a great place. Like I said, you know, you just you visit it once and it sticks with you. You feel the need to want to go back again. I, I like I said, I've been to other battlefields since, and uh, none of them quite compare to that. But there are some really good ones out there too. Like I love going to Franklin, Tennessee. That's another one of my favorite places to visit. Oh wow, I'll have to put um, that on my list. Oh, absolutely. Uh, they're doing some great work down there, restoring a lot of it. The town of Franklin is a wonderful town to visit. I kind of liken it to Gettysburg. It's It's got that feel to it when you're in the town. And one of the best uh, free Civil War museums I've ever been to was down there in Franklin. Uh, they just have tons of artifacts, uniforms, and um, and it's all free. Well, I definitely recommend like visiting these battlefields just to understand you know, the battle as a whole. I mean, I remember when I visited, um, which one? Antietam, right? Uh, Sharpsburg. And yep. when you go to the sunken road, you don't really understand the terrain and what they had to go through until you actually stand there. It, it made sense when you finally stand there and you realize just because of how the terrain, how it lays, that the Confederates didn't really have a clear shot of the Irish Brigade until they were right on top of them. Right. Um, yeah. Which was kind of interesting. So definitely have to visit the battlefields for sure. Being here in Western PA, I mean, there's I, I'm, I'm not sitting in the middle of a lot of Civil War stuff, but there's a lot of it that's really close to me. Sharpsburg is a great one. It's not too far. Uh, another one that I really like to go to is Harper's Ferry in West Virginia. Beautiful, beautiful yeah. town. A lot of history, yeah, a lot of great stuff to see there. There's there's a couple of uh, smaller, uh, lesser known um battle sites that that aren't too far from here like over in ohio uh there's buffington island and salineville over in ohio a lot of people don't know a lot about but that but you know john hunt morgan has a lot of influence through that area he was actually uh his men when they were captured were put in a jail right near here in pittsburgh because i have a few pictures of that those guys sitting around a table in pittsburgh yeah there, there's some cool stuff in pittsburgh too the Civil War related, uh, the big arsenal explosion that uh, right. we had here that actually coincided with the Battle of Antietam in 1862. Uh, there was a lot of people killed uh, in that. And um, I'm, I'm a healthcare worker. So I've always been fascinated with the medical side of the Civil War. And um, one of the hospitals that's actually a part of the health system that I work for, they actually evacuated wounded soldiers to that hospital and I, I've seen several pictures of the tents that they had they had a, like an outdoor uh, field hospital set up right outside the main hospital building itself uh, wait so so it, the, the hospital you we work for now you're saying mm -hmm. um they, yeah. it actually they, used to be a hospital back then as well yep yeah wow. yeah it's 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 the western Pennsylvania hospital it's in the uh, Bloomfield neighborhood of Pittsburgh they they brought Civil War soldiers back to that hospital they evacuated them there one of the, the most famous surgeons of the civil war dr jonathan letterman who was the head surgeon for the army of the potomac for a time and actually had a camp set up at gettysburg he was from this area as well uh he was born and raised just south of pittsburgh in a little area called cannonsburg pennsylvania and uh, i've been to the site where he was born uh the house is no longer there but there's a sign up where he was born yeah so like i said that's that medical side of it has always fascinated me uh, done a lot of research into that dr bonacue from harewood hospital in washington uh, he's the reason why we see a lot of those photographs of the wounded soldiers the ones that have you know holes still in them or they had you know limbs amputated and such he was the one who came up with the idea 
of documenting everything with photographs. All those photographs that you see of the wounded soldiers, those are all because of him. Is there, you know, since you're, you're out there on the front lines, you know, um, I got to ask, is there anything that you do every day that you say, you know what, you could actually trace the development of this technique back to, you know, Civil War triage or something like that? Absolutely. As I said, Dr. Jonathan Letterman, the triage system that he developed during the Civil War is, in essence, still the same triage system that we use today. And the other thing that he was responsible for, too, was uh, helping to create the ambulance corps that was used during the war. And they call him the, the father of modern battlefield medicine, because up until that time, like they had no way of, you know, they, they would treat them in a forward hospital on the battlefield itself. But they didn't have really have a good way of getting these guys out to the further extended care that they needed. And that's why he came up with these ambulances. He actually helped design the ambulances himself. You know, so, yeah, I think about that a lot, actually, you know, when we're because I, I actually work on a helicopter now, I'm a flight paramedic. And, okay, wow. you know, I always think to my, when we're evacuating these guys, you know, we definitely owe debt of, uh, of gratitude to those guys that helped develop this all those years ago. I, you know, now I got to ask, since we're going down this rabbit hole, I've, I've read about tourniquets in the Civil War. I know that's something, yes. you know, in, in today's, whether in the military, whether you're, you're paramedic, uh, FD, law enforcement, you know, tourniquets are a big deal. Uh, you know, I recommend everyone should have probably a tour tourniquets in their vehicle or something. The, um, was yep. that commonplace during the Civil War? Did they know about tourniquets? <laughs> Absolutely. 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 You know that uh, Albert Sidney Johnston, had he used the tourniquet that was in his pocket, he would have lived. He would not have died. Uh, the problem with, with Johnston was that he had had nerve damage in that leg prior to his wounding. And uh, so he didn't realize that his gunshot wound was as bad as it was. And the entire time, time that he's in the saddle he's bleeding into his boot and by the time that he realized it, it was too late he had already lost so much blood that um you know he was going out but they said that he died with a tourniquet in his pocket so my question this is probably because i don't know anything about medicine there were a lot of amputations during the civil war right but if they were using tourniquets do tourniquets prevent amputations or how, how's that now, so the, with the amputations, the amputations became necessary because of the, the severe damage that the rifling was doing oh, okay. to these guys. These, these limb wounds were, were mangling these guys pretty bad. So like the tourniquet is just for stopping the bleeding, but the, the amputation in essence of what it would do, like they could amputate and then close the flap and yeah, it would stop the bleeding, but it would also prevent further problems down the line it, it could stop the infection because like if they if they would do it properly it could seal it up and keep the infection from getting in these wounds a lot of the times because of how badly they they occurred uh would not heal properly and um, they didn't really have a way of going in and you know reconstructing these things back then so you know it was just the the down and dirty amputation to get rid of it but it saved a lot of lives though it really did and, and I know a lot of people tend to think of, of Civil War surgery as, you know, here, bite down on this belt while I chop your leg off. It, that's kind of been uh, over-dramatized. I think there was a lot of anesthetics used during the Civil War. They did have things like ether back then um, okay. that they used. They had 
they have morphine and such. So a lot of those were not were not done without anesthetics like like people have been led to to believe. Those surgeons back then were actually pretty skilled at what they were doing. Um, and their their knowledge of medicine was advancing all the time. Uh, and it still is today. I mean, medicine is something that is constantly advancing and we're, we're always learning new things. And then we're learning what we did before wasn't the right thing to do. And, you know, but these guys, you know, they did have a general idea of what infection was and how it was caused. But the problem was that they didn't really have good ways of disinfecting because they had so many soldiers to treat with so few doctors to treat them that the time was of the essence. So they basically just did like a quick wash up and then on to the next. But they did know that, you know, these these infections that did develop later on, they kind of had a good idea of ways to treat them. Um, they did, you know, open these things, these wounds back up and allow them to drain out, which was a good thing. They obviously didn't have like antibiotics and things like that. But, uh, you know, they did the best they could with what they had. Uh, you know, I know that uh, the EMTs I've worked with and some of the paramedics, uh, just because of the line of work, sometimes maybe there's a little bit of a dark humor. Uh, do you think if you, reading the the work of maybe the hospital stewards and some of the uh, surgeons back in the Civil War, you think you guys would have gotten along? <laughs> you know, um, I actually just got into this discussion the other day about dark humor. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I think... I don't know, to people that have never been in that situation, that have never had to deal with that, <laughs> that stuff, dark yeah. humor, it, it can really, it really makes people, you know, like wonder if you're, you're really all right in the head. Yeah, um, yeah. But I think it, it, it was, a, it was a very normal thing, you know, reading back through the diaries of some of these surgeons and even the soldiers themselves, the guys that had, you know, seen the elephant and, you know, were three and four years into this war, like they dealt with this stuff with dark humor. And, uh, you know, I just, I just did a post the other day um, where a soldier quoted that three guys, him and two other guys were charging breastworks, the Confederate breastworks. And the guy beside him got his head taken off by an artillery shell. Hmm. And the guy continued running without his head. Um, <laughs> and just the, the way that he put it, yeah. in his diary he's like you know something funny happened <laughs> and then he goes on to tell the story about this guy getting his head blown off right and, and right <laughs> and it's like um uh, okay i guess guess that that's funny but <laughs> yeah I, I i can i can picture him like telling that story with his veteran buddies at the bar and they're all laughing and everyone around them is like looking at each other like did you just did you hear that like is this normal you know. yeah that's why i gotta be careful when i go out you know, with people that I work with, I got to be careful about what yeah. we're saying and who can hear us, you know, because <laughs> you, you don't really understand dark humor unless you've, you've experienced some of the trauma that's, uh, you know, that we've been through. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think for the most part, I think those guys were very much like us. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. Paramedic, is, is, it's very serious. Uh, I, I don't know if there was actually like an equivalent back in the civil war, but it, can you trace yourselves? Do you think to like the hospital steward or something like that? Or was that more of like a nurse? Well, they had, like I said, they had an ambulance corps and they had guys who, whose specific jobs were to go out in those ambulances and um, gather up the patients on litters, load them up and then bring them into the hospital. Um, so I guess in a way that was like the beginning of the paramedic. I don't know that they really did much 
uh, as far as treatment goes. Right. They're the probably field. just keeping their heads down and trying to haul out, um, right. <laughs> you know, haul back to that, uh, to the right, right, right. ambulance, you know? Yeah. I, I think it was, it was a lot of, there was a lot on the surgeons. Uh, they, there was nurses obviously, but the nurses scope of practice today, what it is today is far more advanced than, than what it was back then. Those poor surgeons, they, they had a lot riding on their shoulders. I got to ask, what is the uh, next big plan for uh, the page, man? Or what's the next big step for American Civil War IG? You know, that's that's the million dollar question. You know, I really don't know because, I, I mean, in all honesty, uh, like I said, I never thought it would get this far. Um, I, I thought I'd get bored with it. You know, after getting like 300 followers, I thought I'd get bored with it and walk, walk away from it. But uh, I don't know. You know, I mean, I want to continue what I'm doing with uh addressing gettysburg keep that going you know a lot of the guys that that i hang with they're getting into this merchandising thing with the the stickers and the t-shirts and uh, i've kind of helped promote some of the those guys what they're doing but uh, i mean as far who, as who is this uh let's give him a shout out uh civil war tees um he's one of my favorites um i've gotten a lot of shirts from him 1863 designs uh that's a good friend of mine who's been doing a lot of these really cool stickers he's just uh just did that one at Chamberlain. It says, "Don't call me Lawrence." <laughs> right, I did see that. That was great. Yeah, my my uh, I think my friend Ty, he does a lot of that stuff with the stickers and the T-shirts. I got that one. It's um, it's Grant, Sheridan, and Sherman on the front. It says "Earth, Wind, and Fire," <laughs> and then on it's like a it's like a musical tour shirt. On the back, it lists all the battles in order with the dates on it, just like it was like a you know like a band's tour T-shirt. I got it. Oh, do they still have that? Oh man, I gotta get that. <laughs> you know what? I, I don't know. I don't know if he still has that design for sale. I'm hoping yeah. he does. It was it was pretty popular whenever he brought it out. That's a great. That's that's definitely a talking point when people see that one. They gotta ask oh, yeah. me about that one. As far as my end goes, I I really don't know at this point. You know, I'm just gonna keep going on doing what I'm doing for now. And you know, if another opportunity presents itself, I mean, this is to me, this has always just been a hobby. And nothing but a hobby. And as long as I, I keep enjoying doing the research, because I, I mean, I learn as much as I'm teaching. A lot of the stuff that I'm finding out, it's all new stuff for me as well. But uh, yeah, as long as I keep enjoying it, I'm just, I'm going to keep doing it. Like I help, I like to help promote others with what they're doing. Uh, I know some guys are making money on the side and that's wonderful. I mean, if you can do that, if you can figure out a way to do it, that's awesome. You know, keep going with it. You know, these wonderful podcasts that everybody's, everybody's doing. You know, I, I, I listen to all of them. I love them. You know, so I'll definitely help promote those in any way that I can. Yeah, I don't know. I just keep going on. See how many followers I can end up with and uh, yeah, just keep doing what I'm doing. What do you think? You think you're going to be in uh, Gettysburg for uh, Remembrance Day 2021? Oh, man, I would love to do that. I love going for Remembrance Day. It's such a great time to visit the city. I'm definitely going to be out there next month uh in june for the uh for the addressing gettysburg he he does its work every third weekend of the month from april till october um so i'll definitely be out there in june and i'm hoping to be out there again in october and then maybe try again for november i'd like to do that all right right so, oh, hopefully uh, i'll get to bump into you over there at the gary owen and have a beer hell yeah man that sounds great <laughs> i'd love that all right. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show. I think we're reaching about that time, though. Thanks so much for coming on, man. Really appreciate it. And uh, be safe out there. I know that's busy work. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. This, this was fun. 
Thank you for listening while you mowed the lawn, watered the roses, manning a Napoleon on the field of battle, following Colonel Shaw in a charge on Confederate fortifications, or whenever you listen to podcasts. This episode has only been made possible by our patrons on Patreon. To join this elite group, please use the link below. You can also support the show by following and liking us on social media, and please check out the YouTube channel. On there, there are videos that will satiate your thirst for untold civil war while you wait for the next podcast episode to come out. Bye for now, and please tune in next time.